0: Benjamin
1: Button here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will take it my hairline says otherwise but, but I, I have never either
2: popped and or locked I have attempted the worm once <laughs> yeah yes. be thou humble Jason yeah, I know I'm sorry
1: take 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 look
3: this is the best of BYU Sports Nation interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports every Saturday only on BYU Radio to lead off Here's the double coverage interview
1: of the week. And our next guest is ESPN's uh, Trevor Maddich. We talked about earlier this morning what happened against Coastal Carolina and what now for the Cougars. Zach Wilson and the Heisman conversation. Rankings, all of that with ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Trevor, the day has come. BYU lost the game, and it's a real disappointing one. BYU uh, took the game on uh, essentially Wednesday night, but officially Thursday morning. Raced out to the East Coast. It was this awesome story. Game day was there. And BYU goes down 22-17 to Coastal Carolina. The perfect season is over. What's your reaction to how the game played out? And then we'll get into what now for the Cougars.
4: Well, the game played out kind of opposite of how I expected. I thought that BYU's defense would struggle giving up some big plays because this Coastal Carolina offense is really hard to prepare for even on a full week, much less on a short week. Because it's a it's a modern Zone read with RPO passing style offense with triple option elements thrown in, which really complicate how you need to be in what gap, what fill, how you do it. And that often leads to big plays if you're not fully ready for it. But the BYU defense, the longest play they gave up was 20 yards. And they held Coastal Carolina to 15 points below their scoring average. So the defense, even though they gave up some long drives, actually did a lot better than I thought. It was the offense that struggled, especially with that swarming pass rush of the Chanticleers, and that really became the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, it was hard to swallow on a lot of fronts, and let's start to break down what you just said. So first off, BYU's defense. 22 points allowed feels like it should be enough to win, and BYU actually outgains uh, the Chanticleers in the end because of the last drive. But uh, the BYU defense, on two days' notice, didn't, uh, didn't have the prep time, chose this, but like you said, it was a complicated offense, and it was tough to slow down uh, the Chanticleers to the tune of 5.2 yards per carry. What, where, where did that break down the most for you defensively for BYU? Well,
4: on first down, Coastal Carolina was able to get good positive yardage, which gave them a lot of, of third and manageable, and that's one of the reasons they averaged about it was about 50% third-down conversions. And that's something that I thought was actually good for BYU, strangely enough. Because once again, they had long drives when they scored. They ate up a lot of clock, but they weren't able to rip off big plays. And I think the reason that there were so many uh, first down positive yards and BYU didn't get as many negative plays against them as I thought they might is because when you are trying to work on a a short week to get all your assignments squared away, all of your attention and preparation is on that. Be in the right place. Be in the right spot. And I thought they did that pretty well. They weren't able to progress past that in preparation to how do we disrupt them? How do we get behind the line? How do we have them have a negative play on first down? How do we have different kinds of stunts or different kinds of looks that we can get them behind the eight ball, get them behind the chains? They didn't have time to do that in their week of preparation because the whole thing was on the basic fundamental of where do we stand? Who do we look at? And on that level, they did really well. But I think if they'd had another three days of prep, they'd have been able to add that extra layer on top, which was these are the things we need to now do on top of being in the right spot to get behind the line and cause negative plays. There weren't many negative plays made by the BYU defense, but I don't blame them for that. I, think, I blame the short week for that. I think the BYU defense actually did a much better job than they're getting credit for.
1: Yeah, I look at 22 points and I go, hey, that's a winnable number, right? Um, and you, you yeah. mentioned the average third down and distance. BYU 9.6 Coastal Carolina, 4.9. Let's look at the BYU offense. I look at 17 points. This is a top five BYU offense going into the game. This is the number one offense in points per drive. This is an offense that I think should put up more than 17 points. So where was the struggle for BYU in trying to get yards and points?
4: There were two things. The first one was they gave up negative plays. There were too many tackles for loss. There was a really bad sack that knocked them out of field goal position at one point. And so the negative plays stopped some of their drives, whereas negative plays didn't stop the Coastal Carolina drives for reasons that we talked about. Coastal Carolina's defense also was working on a short week, but BYU's offense is less weird, I guess, to prepare for because they don't add that triple option element to it. And so I think they were able to just put their ears back and just go attack in a way that if BYU's defense had tried to do, they would have given up a whole bunch of 60-yard plays. So that's one of them. The other one, and probably the most important thing, is that that swarming Chanticleer pass rush overwhelmed BYU's pass protection too much. And the clock in Zach Wilson's head had to speed up. There were so many times when he had open guys, but he he couldn't get to them because he was too busy trying to avoid being sacked. There were other times when he had open guys that he didn't see because he wanted to get the ball out quickly because so much of the time he had to get that ball out quickly. And that disrupted the rhythm between quarterback and receivers.
1: It certainly is a disappointing loss on all fronts. Uh, BYU goes down. So now let's let's look ahead and, and see what's in store well, for
4: on. BYU. Let's look ahead. I, I do want to look ahead, but I do want to say one thing, Jaron. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The clock in Zach Wilson's head, though, is why they didn't score that final touchdown. Hmm. He dropped back to pass. He saw his receiver inside the 10 and got the ball out right now. Ironically, he had great pass protection on that. He had plenty of time to scan the field. This was the last play of the game. Had he taken an extra beat, the running back leaked out of the backfield to the left sideline, and he was wide open. The defense busted the coverage. No one was covering him. And if Zach felt like he could have a normal rhythm in the pocket, it may be that he would have seen that and he would have hit him for the game-winning touchdown. Instead, he saw somebody open. He knew so often he didn't have time to throw, and he thought, i got to get the ball out now or I might not get it out. Ball goes out there, tackled a yard short of the goal line when the game-winning touchdown receiver was wide open watching the play on the left sideline. I don't blame Zach for this. I think it was a good choice for him to get the ball out to an open guy while he could, but all that pass rush by, by Coastal Carolina's defense that sped up his clock for the the game coming up to that point sped up that clock in his head at that point, and the opportunity that could have won the game was missed.
1: Shades of Super Bowl thirty-four with the Rams and Titans, and Kevin Dyson, a Ute, reaching out and not getting it as Dax Milner stopped at the one-yard line. Oh, so nationally, the narrative was, "Oh man, what a great game! This was fun. This was awesome. Good job by both teams." But we sit here on the BYUN and go. Well, yeah, but BYU lost, and the perfect season's over. So, where do the Cougars go from here, in your opinion? Because I think there's still a lot to play for. It's not the special New Year Six Heisman finalist kind of, th- which might still happen, the Heisman finalist thing. But New Year Six is is dead. I still think there's something to play for. It's just not the mega New Year Six season we were hoping for.
4: They can still have a magical one loss season, and the team that they lost to was in a crazy COVID last second. Perfect storm of difficulty for BYU to go win because, once again, that, the preparation for that offense is really, really difficult. And uh, I think, though, a one-loss season, if they're able to pull it off, would still be a magical season. And they should get full credit for a magical season. The thing they'll need to do, though, is make sure that Coastal Carolina doesn't beat them twice because this San Diego State team is legit. Their defense is solid. Keep in mind that they had a, a last-second game against Colorado, and at the time, Colorado was the leading scoring team, the best offense in the Pac-12, and San Diego State's defense held them to just 20 points. Now, they lost the game, but they held them to just 20 points. So so this is a legitimate threat to BYU if they don't come into this game with all their focus and all their emotion and energy fully deployed. So where to go from here? Well, first they've got to beat San Diego State. Then we'll see who they play in the bowl game and they have a chance to finish it out and to be very proud of what they accomplished in a COVID crazed season that for BYU was probably crazier from a standpoint of scheduling and travel and everything else than any other team in the country.
1: Yeah, it's been an unbelievable ride on all fronts. Just the fact that BYU was playing and has played as many games as they've played. There's just a handful of teams that have played 10 games. Only six teams in BYU history have had one or no losses. So, or five, it'd be the sixth. And then BYU's only finished ranked six times this century um, would be the sixth. So there's still a lot to play for in that regard. But like you mentioned, San Diego State coming up Saturday. And then we don't know if BYU's going to schedule another game December 19th. And then who knows what bowl game. It won't be a New Year's Six. But uh, BYU football, still a couple of games left. And that's good news because guess what? Not everyone's playing. Not everyone's playing in basketball. But here BYU is with just one canceled game so far and still potentially two games left.
4: Yep, and and always remember this, too, that some people have the, certainly emotionally for BYU fans, it feels like BYU failed in this game. I think it was more that Coastal Carolina came out on fire and they made one more play than BYU. And this feeling that, okay, well, BYU wasn't good enough. No, I think Coastal Carolina is better than people thought. And BYU still was one yard away from winning that game or see the wide open running back on the left sideline from winning that game. So the difference in emotion from what it would have been had they made that last play to what it was when they didn't make that last play is an enormous chasm, enormous. But in terms of the play on the field, it was that close. It was that close. And I think they should get the credit for that close rather than have to deal with uh, the, the being painted with the emotion because it, fa- it fell short.
1: Do you feel like Zach Wilson has dropped out of the top five in the Heisman conversation, or did he stay there after that performance?
4: No, I think he dropped out of the top five. Uh, And the reason is that, you know, he didn't do as well as he could have, and his team didn't help him enough on offense Uh, for the first, you know, 58 minutes, 59 minutes of that game. There were some plays left on the field that a Heisman winner or a Heisman top five guy would have been expected to have made. Now, I think he is a Heisman top five guy, but I'm talking about what voters will think and what voters will see. Because really, this isn't about what he deserves. It's about what 900 voters thinks he deserves. And they're looking for a reason to move people up and move people down. And had that last play scored a touchdown, that would have been his Heisman moment. And those 900 voters would have said, yep, there's this Heisman moment. But because it fell a yard short, enough of those Heisman voters, 900 people, will say, okay, there was this Heisman moment and they fell short, therefore, I'm looking for somebody else. And that's the way that some of the voters, or at least enough of the voters, think. So I don't think his Heisman worthiness changes at all. As a matter of fact, I think it should be considered to be similar or the same because he did take the team down for that that drive that fell a yard short after the offense had struggled so much for the entire rest of the game. He rose to that moment, and he led them down there. They were a yard short. But that yard will be enough of an excuse for a lot of voters to drop him out of that top five, I think.
1: And then Tuesday night with the voters on the college football playoff committee, where do you think BYU ends up being ranked tomorrow night?
4: Well, they'll fall below Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina was at 18. They'll probably go up about five points uh, spots. I think BYU will probably drop down five or six spots. If, if they watch the game, which I think they would have because they do watch the games, they will see that both teams played neck and neck. And it came down to the very end. And that's the kind of game that in the past the committee has rewarded the team that won, but they haven't, they haven't horribly penalized the team that lost.
1: Trevor, we appreciate the time, man. BYU lose for the first time, but uh, San Diego State coming up Saturday, and then we'll see what bowl game the Cougars play. In.
4: Yeah, yeah, this feels terrible right now, but this is still a great football team.
1: Thanks, Trevor. CSPN's Trevor Maddich on the Desert First Credit Union hotline. Desert First, you know why we show how. Some salient points, as always, by Trevor. Yeah, I, I really wonder where is going to be ranked tomorrow night. And then Zach Wilson-Heisman, what, is this, what does this mean? I think he still finishes top 10. It's just not going to be top 5, I think.
0: It's interesting how if Dax Milne gains a yard and a half more and BYU wins that game, how much the narrative shifts
1: oh, on all of that. For sure. And... Trevor brings up a great point, like right? And and you gave some insight into this during the break with me, but go ahead and, and tell the people.
0: So, Zach Wilson's primary read on this play, obviously, is Dax Milne, and he spins it. I mean, he sees Dax open, throws a beautiful ball, but if Dax is not open, then his check down is Tyler Algier coming off of a delayed block, almost like a fake, and then he sprints up the top side of the field. Tyler Algier is unmanned and is wide open, and if Dax isn't open, and Zach checks it down. BYU's going to win that game. Tyler Algier's going to essentially walk into the end zone.
5: Yeah,
1: I don't fault Zach for finding Dax. He's one of the top receivers in the country. Uh, he's a guy that what did he go over a thousand in this game? Did he get to a thousand? Like he's been incredible. He got over. He got over a thousand. We haven't even mentioned that incredible. It's tough. And you're always going to see that right after the fact. Like, oh, you should have done this. It's like, in that moment. No, he shouldn't have. He he did the right thing. He steps up in the pocket. He he looks at one of the top 10 receivers in the country and he gets him the ball at the three yard line. And it's up to Dax at that point to try and get it in the end zone. Hey, you got to wait and throw it in the end zone. It's like, just make the best decision you can. He's been, it's a three man front. They've dropped eight. There's been pressure still on that all game. So. Yeah, tough, tough play. Uh, we, well, Coastal Carolina makes an incredible tackle. They make a tackle at the goal line. That's perhaps the greatest play in Coastal Carolina football history. Think about it. That was one of our favorite interviews
3: this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the
2: best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. So, the national media, after BYU's loss to Coastal Carolina, quite honestly, has been very positive. And that has actually been very therapeutic to be able to watch it, because immediately you just assumed that, well, BYU lost, now everybody's going to trash the Cougars. That has not been the case. The national media is, is seeing the loss to Coastal Carolina and actually... Praising BYU, yeah, obviously they expected BYU to win too. But praising them for taking the game on short notice and doing something that most teams just would not do. So, in in fact, this is just one example. This is Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. He says, quote, It was a brilliant play by athletic director Tom Holmo going to Coastal Carolina for the Cougars' best shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. BYU is out of the running, but the publicity this season will pay off down the road. Coach Kalani Satake has turned the program around. BYU's age of independence is starting to pay off. And so, like I said, I think most everybody just assumed the national media would pile on. But that hasn't been the case. They are really looking at this as a a very positive step for BYU, despite losing
6: the game. I, I think it has a positive impact because of the exposure. And, hey, BYU was getting a ton of love out there. And... I started to see the stuff, you know, kind of the returns coming in as I was watching the national shows and reading the articles and getting on Twitter. And almost to a person, all of the national um, writers and and uh, hosts were going, "Unbelievable football game! What a great football game!" And we're watching it with bias because we're rooting for BYU, right? Right. And so we're going, wait, BYU's not playing up to the potential. They're better than this. They don't drop balls. They make better decisions. They tackle better than this. They look like they're not prepared. That was our perspective, right? Other people are watching this game, and if you take an objective view and you've never seen these two teams, you're going, this game is unbelievably physical. This game is well played. This game just came down to the last play of the game. These are two ranked teams who weren't so puffed up with themselves like the P5s are. Can you imagine a P5 doing this? No, because it wouldn't happen. They would never do it, and that was the point. They're all going, who does this? They're both nationally ranked. They put that national ranking on the line. They go out and they play a phenomenal football game. They had me watching till the last play of the game. This is what college football is all about. So if you don't have a rooting interest in it, you think that that was a great right. football game, and you have tremendous respect for BYU for being willing to go on the road and go play a nationally ranked team and put your reputation on the line. Frankly, I think it was, hey, BYU's putting you know putting their money where their mouth is. They're going to play this thing. I think the other side
2: of this, and we were talking in the last uh, segment about where we expected BYU to, to show up in the college football playoff rankings tonight. I think we're also going to get a pretty good idea— from a national perspective, um, how BYU is viewed based off of where they land in these rankings. Because look, if if BYU doesn't fall as far, m- maybe the committee was willing to give them more of of a boost than we thought. Yeah. You know, and and the other part of it is where does Coastal Carolina come in? Like I said, I think they they sw- they swap. But let's say Coastal Carolina moves up even more than we think. I think you're giving credit to BYU for being the opponent that they were. So look. I know there's probably going to be a lot of people who probably going to tune it out tonight. They're not going to want to see and be reminded of what could have been with BYU because, as we all know, it stinks that BYU lost, and that opportunity for the New Year Six has now gone by the wayside. But I, I, there's a lot to pay attention to tonight when these rankings come out. It really is going to tell us a lot on how BYU ultimately has been viewed.
6: And, and here's here's the issue I have with all of that. I've lost respect for the college football playoff committee, Based on what they've done up to this point. And, and I, you know, you look at the makeup of that committee. Who do I trust more? Do I trust um, those 13 people in that room, or do I trust 60 plus people right. whose job it is to follow college sports and watch every game and do it? Or do I trust the folks at ESPN whose job is to study every single solitary week, every game, and watch every piece of game film and break these teams down? Do I trust Urban Meyer's opinion, or do I trust? The, the, the guys in that room, the, the folks in that room. And and unfortunately, I trust those others more. Now, the problem is that the the CFP ranking is the be-all, end-all. It's 13, it's 13 it, people we, we, who we, make we, a decision. We've given that group way too much power, and it's the P5s that have that power. I'm a little bit disgusted with all of that. So so I'll watch tonight. um but in, in the back of my mind, I trust those others more than I trust these folks. And let's see if all that everyone has been saying on a national basis has any impact. And if now that BYU's not a risk really to take a New Year's Six bowl, if they'll give them the proper credit. Interestingly enough, I watched uh college football final that night and, and that group was saying, Well, whoa, well, wait a minute. Why is Cincinnati up at number seven? They haven't beaten a ranked opponent, and Coastal Carolina now has beaten two. Right, And in their league championship game, will have a third opportunity. If Coastal Car- Carolina has three wins against ranked teams and Cincinnati has zero, why is Cincinnati getting so much love and Coastal Carolina is not right up there in the top? And seven?
2: by the way, Cincinnati is not playing their game against Tulsa. That has been put uh, on, well, and, and that, on hold that, that, been canceled. Was, that was
6: their one ranked opportunity th- th- they're going to face each
2: other in the the American right. Right. championship game so there that's another opportunity that Cincinnati would have had to play somebody that's now not going to happen and I believe that it's because of COVID issues with the Bearcats so that game's not even going to happen anymore
3: the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: I've done a lot of interviews, and I've done a ton of interviews in seven-plus years at BYU TV Sports, but the one I did with Isaiah Kafusi understandably will stick out probably forever just because of how raw and real he was. And uh, the captain had some uh, emotion on display following the loss of Coastal Carolina. If you missed it, watch it now. If you saw it, then you probably want to watch it again. It's been an, a remarkable run for this BYU football team to this point. Um, on two days' notice, you come out, you take on a top-20 game. Ultimately, you come up one yard short. Where did this team fall short before the final play?
7: Um... There's a lot of things I think that um, we can we can point out and analysts will, will look at and um, I, just, I think the only thing i tell you is just we fell short uh, came up short uh, We'll watch the film we'll see where it's at and um, we'll, we'll get better from this but I'm proud of my team my Backs were against the wall but we wanted this, this is what we signed up for. We were, we were, man, I'm just so proud of the guys that we have. Love those guys in the locker room. My coaches, athletic directors, staff. Just proud of the, the way that we came out. We played with heart and effort and passion and uh, couldn't ask for anything more.
0: How would you sum up what the locker room was like that you just walked out of?
7: Um, it, it's, there's just people hurting, crying. Um, but but that's just the game of football. We love this game. We love our team. We love who we represent, the, the institution, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, uh, man, we're just – it's it's it's, uh, it's tough to lose, especially when, when we haven't all season. But, uh, man, great game. Credit to Coastal Carolina, their team, their staff, putting together a great game plan, really executing. And uh, that, was, that was a great team. That was a great team there that we played. But, um, it's, yeah.
0: They had the ball for a long time. It was uh, quite a significant difference in time of possession. What was their offense doing um, to, to cause you guys some trouble defensively
7: yeah that's just that triple option is, is um, you know we, we had three weeks to prepare for Navy in the triple option and so um, just you just it's you know one person or one guy out of gap or, out, or not sound and it just you know they can get away from you. And, um, credits to them great scheme you know they they really were kind of knew where to attack at the right times and um got to do better and, but that's just you know credits to them where do
0: you go from here emotionally as you prepare for san diego state a week from
7: tonight yeah we just got to get better um all across the board uh, offense defense and special teams i think that's really the only only way that you know we can Finish the season outright is just by getting better, continuing to work hard. Uh, Don't have many more opportunities to suit up and and to play, and so I can't take anything for granted. Just got to, you know, get back into the film room, get back to practice, and just kind of move on.
0: What did Coach Satake say to you guys?
7: Yeah, I uh, love that man. Uh, He he always tells us that, uh, you know, sit in the locker room as long as we need to. But the second we leave, uh, we are sons, and fathers, and husbands, and so we need to, to to continue those roles as we leave the locker room. So, uh, his message was just to you know take it in. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna be painful. But that the second we leave the locker room, we got to get over it, back to work, and because uh, people are, are depending on us to be there, you know, their sons. their husbands their fathers and and whatnot so love that message and he's always preached that to us
0: what type of BYU team should uh, Cougar Nation expect to show up against San Diego State
7: Uh, we're going to be we're going to show up I'll make sure that as a senior as a leader uh, that we'll get better this week we'll learn from our mistakes and uh, we'll show up on on Saturday
0: Isaiah these interviews are always the toughest to do we appreciate you taking some time with this and wish you the best of luck a week from tonight
7: appreciate it go Cougs
0: Isaiah Kafusi from the teal turf after the Coastal Carolina lost 22-17 on Saturday night.
1: We're all crying with him there. You know what I mean? Like, we were all feeling the emotion of, oh, man. Shoot, BYU just lost. And it's been a special season. And it can still be something awesome. But it won't be as awesome as it could have been. And BYU is brave and notable and has been acknowledged as such. Uh, I I know we like to make fun of moral victories here, but... The, uh, the media, everyone's been like, hey, props to BYU for taking that game. It's just disappointing that BYU took it but didn't uh, respond enough to win. And that's disappointing. It really is. And uh, you can obviously see it and hear it in Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah's emotions there. You
0: know what's wild about this? BYU, because they're ranked number 14 in the AP poll, if they take care of San Diego State and win a bowl game, they could legitimately finish as a top 10 team at the end of the season. It's not out of reach, according to the Associated Press. It's, but it's going to be very different from the college football playoff poll.
1: Right. And, and uh, you hope it's a one-loss season. And like I said, it just be the, just the sixth time BYU does that. And I hope that BYU finishes strong so that we don't feel like it's 0-1 and 0-8. Those teams were still good. I'm not saying they weren't. They're just not in the same kind of second tier of awesome seasons in BYU history. And BYU has a chance to have a season like that. This is the best
3: of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
1: Matt Bushman, before the season um, even started, it ended for him as he tore his Achilles at the end of fall camp, and then just days later had the birth of uh, he and Emily, uh, their first child. What a situation for Matt emotionally as he did not participate with this team this year. But perspective changes and things change. And, and is he going to go to the league or is he not? This is Deep Blue presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help.
5: I try not to be too fearful about things. I just kind of try to focus on the president and kind of control what I can. But I've always kind of had... A vision or a goal of being a great football player or being able to provide for my family.
3: He's going to throw it! Man, wide open! It's Bushman! Touchdown!
8: Matt is a pleaser, and he'll work his tail off to please anybody. The
3: biggest mismatch that BYU's offense presents. He's an NFL tight end. He really is. He's developing as a blocker, but he's
4: such a great route runner.
9: Great hands. I mean, as good as hands. Ability to judge the ball. Ability to go up and get the ball. Fight for the ball is is what he does so well. Great timing. Big catch radius. Um, things that they're looking for in the NFL that will help him at the next level.
3: Surprised us, and when he could have gone to the NFL this fall, and I knew that he had some unfinished business and things that he wanted to accomplish as a team, and so uh, to put the team first over his desires has been really cool for our players to see.
4: Swings it out Simon, trickery, here they go. Simon throws a pass. Bushman, he has it. Matt Bushman, touchdown.
5: I do my best to reach my full potential that Heavenly Father's given me. I hope to achieve as much potential as I can and be the best person I can in this life.
8: Hello, come on in. We are just... Hanging out. The team left today to Maryland, and um, here we are, not getting on the plane to Maryland, just hanging out, elevating, because life's a little different now. Last Monday, I was hanging out here, getting work done and just going for a drive, and I got a text from Matt that said, bad news, my Achilles torn.
5: I don't know if it was like something in the grass, like a faulty little divot, or if it was just a fluke accident. Um, I just felt a huge pop, like people kind of compare it to getting shot, people compare it to getting kicked in the back of the leg super hard. And that's what it felt like, just like this huge, huge pop. And my leg just like gave out. So they took me into the training room. I was laying there for a while, had to get my, my cleat off, had to get the tape off. The doctor that was, was looking at me, he was like, there's a, there's a pretty big divot in your Achilles. You can kind of see this gap. That means you've fully ruptured it. And once I heard that, I just kind of broke down. You know, everyone was real emotional. Um, the tight ends especially, they were all on tears. They were all sobbing.
9: They probably cried more than Matt did. Um, but it, it gave him something to, to play for. A, a, a higher purpose a bigger meaning and they dedicated themselves to, to Matt for the rest of the year. So,
8: I think what amazed me so much both the day that it happened and the week following is just how positive Matt has been. And it just helped keep me really strong and our family strong. And he's very aware that his team still has a whole season ahead of them and it's going to be fun to watch them and support them and seeing that humility of matt has has really shown through in his positivity and luckily um he was had a really successful surgery on friday and baby's doing three days so that's kind of where we're at and can't drive but his mom will help us get to the hospital for Wednesday and we're just excited to have a little silver lining with baby coming. The Romneys gave us this, so I thought that was so cute. They made that for us. It's been amazing since that happened to see all the support that we have felt from his teammates, coaches, family, friends. We've just been overwhelmed. And we feel the prayers already they felt prompted to come back to BYU. They prayed about it originally. So they they know that this is part of God's plan for them. But along with that, there have been times where, you know, everybody questions like, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen now? This is a goal for both of them. They're a team and they're both going to work hard and do whatever they need to do to accomplish his goals in life
5: all right here we are at the hospital just pulled up um it's ten thirty p.m and we're just getting ready to check in
8: coming in with two of us leaving with three it's gonna be great I think the day that I knew I was going to get induced and I knew Matt and I would be going through that that night, I did still have anxiety and just felt like, oh, I hope this all goes okay. And as a mom, you just want a healthy baby and you want everything to go smoothly. And thankfully it did. But I I did still feel that day kind of the weight of his injury and, and kind of the devastation that was still lingering from what had just happened, you know, a few days prior and having our lives and futures flipped upside down.
5: I was looking forward to achieving all these personal goals that I had that kind of just kind of went away. Um, but then, like, after I don't know, I kind of had a day or two to kind of be sad about it, and then I just had to focus and just say, okay, this is happening for a reason. We we felt right that we had to stick around for another year, and we just kind of had to figure out why that was, and I was like, dang, this is going to be a burden having to get surgery right before Emily giving birth, and I'd have to the, be on the scooter rolling around or on crutches when, when holding Andy or taking care of her. That was always annoying, but then, um... Once, once Andy came just all those kind of personal maybe selfish feelings that I had were kind of just went away and I was able to focus more on Emily and focus on on just how to help Andy as best I
8: could. <laughs> she's about to
5: she's tearing up too it looks like. It's
8: just a miracle and um uh yet in that moment having her on me was just a feeling I I can't even describe. And we just feel so grateful and and really ever since then the devastation of, you know, what has happened to Matt in this season still lingers but it's just such a bright spot in our lives that, um, you know, we're changed forever.
5: Good news, I'm out of the boot. I don't have to wear this piece of junk anymore and it's feels good feels nice the slow progress but now i can do a little bit more and push myself a little bit harder and yeah i'm just grateful for that glad i'm a little bit ahead of schedule and hopefully as things go i can start jogging in about a month and as long as things progress more and more i'll i'll get better faster than what everyone expected so yeah it's uh, it's a good feeling i feel blessed It feels very tight when I do my little foot circles and everything, but it's, I know it's supposed to be tight and it'll eventually loosen up and and get back to where it needs to be. It doesn't help the Achilles a ton, but it helps my foot strength come back, just the little muscles and tendons. I don't know, just it's better than making it to the NFL or I don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty and the world going on right now and also with my personal situation and (laughs) yeah, just knowing I can come home and be a dad and I just think that that means a lot to me and um, something that I've learned during this time for sure.
1: Deep Blue featuring Matt Bushman. What a period of time for him. And you can feel the emotion in that of, oh my gosh, the devastation. But then also literally the life that was breathed into his family and his comments about this is greater than making it to the NFL, and we don't know quite yet whether Matt is going to go or not. I'd, I'd be surprised if Matt Bush comes back, frankly. But he led BYU in receiving for three straight years, and here BYU has this magical season, and that would have been probably really hard to watch. Yet he has this baby, and it's a life changing experience. If you, if you, that first kid for sure. Well,
2: and and when I say this, I mean this as athletes certainly, but I mean it just as much, if not more, as people. Matt and Emily, probably two of the people that I have the most respect for I've, I've had an opportunity to get to know both of them and just if anybody can handle this it's it's those two and I, I'm with you as long as everything is healing properly and he's good to go I would be surprised too if he doesn't put his name into the NFL draft um, and Look, we wish him nothing but the best success. And knowing him and knowing what he's capable of, he's going to be a success at whatever he does. That's just Matt Bushman.
1: Yeah, and he's a good tight end. He's He's, fantastic. He's a really good tight end. And it's a credit as well to a guy like Dax Milne, who has had a 1,000-yard year. I think if if Matt Bushman's out, hey, who's going to catch the ball? You lost the top four uh, pass catchers, and Dax Milne has a thousand yard season. Like Gunnar Romney has a chance to perhaps get there in two games as well. Where it's like, oh my gosh. These guys stepped up in the absence of a Matt Bushman, who, by the way, was heavily involved with the team in spite of the injury. You saw him on the sidelines, you see him in the stands during the North Alabama game. I'm like, what's up, Matt? Hey, where's Emily at? We're trying to get a shot of her, you know, during the game. Uh, spoke with Matt uh, briefly last night. He's doing well. Like you said, he's ahead of schedule. So,
2: Well, remember when they announced the, the, uh, the blackout jerseys and he's the one that was modeling it?
1: And hopping on was, one foot. I know. By I, was the like, way. I was like, I
2: was like, Easy, easy. Don't do it. Don't hurt yourself.
1: <laughs> he was on the off foot. Yeah, it yeah, was great. Uh, so yeah, totally part of the team, and uh, you saw what he meant to the other tight ends, and they wrote eighty nine on their arms, you know, for every game this season. So pretty special stuff. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after
3: this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio.
0: The always entertaining Bracken L. Bakri, senior defensive lineman for BYU. One on one, BYU Sports Nation, all access. Is he coming back for a senior season? Bracken, you led BYU football with 11 tackles against Coastal Carolina. How are you feeling physically after really a, a tough and uh, solid performance, statistically speaking?
9: yeah it was uh <clears throat> I broke a hundred tackles I think on Saturday, so it was a big day statistically for me but it was it was definitely a physical- de- physically demanding game and and me and Tyrus and and Zach played a lot more snaps than we have in previous games, so we we were definitely feeling it in the days the days afterwards that's I don't think that's anything new compared to some of these other games we played but but yeah it was definitely physically demanding and and it was really fun. I mean, if we had another foot, you and me, and, and and a lot of these other interviews, we'd have a totally different conversation about how we laid our bodies on the line and and those sort of things. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a good day. You know, you can have a good day personally, and still it's still a kind of an unfortunate day as a team.
0: Hey, isn't that interesting? How a few feet can change the entire feeling and rhetoric of the storyline. Yet here we are, BYU nine and one on the season. Still number 18 in the college football playoff poll, which was revealed this week. I don't know how much you care about the rankings, but what do you think about the Cougars in at number 18 following that loss to Coastal Carolina, who switched spots with you guys previously, and now the Chanticleers are number 13?
9: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate to to move down in the the rankings. Uh, It changes some of the postseason game options for us and stuff, and I don't actually know. I'm not in those conversations or meetings, so I couldn't tell you what exactly it means for us. Um, I've heard a lot of chit chat chatter about it, but I mean, it's unfortunate. It's, it's not what you, we wanted to see, but but you know, we put it on our head. Or Zach put it on his headband, and, and we stand behind. We play anybody, anytime, and and sometimes that means you're going to lose games, but most of the time it means you're going to win games.
0: Because we've uh, brought up the postseason, do you have a preference on a potential opponent out there? Like if you could, if you could hand select an opponent. Not in a New Year's six game. Who would it be, or or what type of opponent would it be?
9: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I to be honest, I just don't know the rankings very well to tell you what like for, to select from a possible list. It'd be awesome to play Utah. I don't know if they'll be able to. I don't know if they'll be eligible to play. So, uh, but it be and that would be cool. Um, I don't know that the plaque 12 everybody's losing to everybody and everybody's beating everybody. So I couldn't tell you what's going to happen there, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'd love to play a, a team that runs the ball. Obviously, it makes me feel important, but but whatever, <laughs> whatever comes, you know, we'll play anybody. It'll be a good time. Bracken
0: Bakri with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach Kalani Satake, and many of your teammates have been adamant that though the loss was really tough to swallow, you feel like you'll get
9: better. Not
0: every team can bounce back. Why do you feel confident that this team will get better following an understandably disappointing loss?
9: Yeah. Again, yeah, it was, it was disappointing, but you look at this team and, and this isn't the team that's, that's, you know, we haven't been undefeated our whole time here. uh, Yeah. We, we win a lot of games, but losing isn't something that's never happened to us and that's earth shattering. We've lost before and we've bounced back and we know how to, how to take strength from our family members and, and, and move on from it and learn from it for sure. Uh, Go through the film, and and learn and grow. I think one of the reasons that we've won so many games this year is is partially because of the loss we've taken in previous years. And we've learned from it. And we've learned how to, how to take on different techniques a lot better. And in the end, sometimes there's just a few things that practice can't teach you that games can that were. And it's like, it's like in the heat heat when, when iron strike an iron, you're going to learn like, okay. And sometimes you just can't, it's really hard, even in scrimmages and stuff. It's hard to, to simulate those sort of, sort of situations that you can only get in the game. And I think this, this coaching staff's really good at then taking those situations and, and, and learning from them and teaching us from them.
0: Earlier this week, I asked your teammate Dax Milne, what is the most effective way to overcome disappointment and turn the page? And so I'm interested to get your take on that. I know that your coaches can tell you things, but how do you personally move on and turn the page now to San Diego State?
9: You know, I'm not the I don't think I'm the best person to ask. I think there's I think of the hundred and twenty three guys down there, I'm probably very, very low somewhere in the one twenties <laughs> on on taking it well and, and, and moving on. Sometimes those sort of things just sit in the back of my mind and just, you know, fester. So but it but that's not a bad thing, you know. Sometimes it's nice to have something festering in the gut when you when you go play another opponent, you know. I, I don't know. I guess use it to fuel yourself. I I'm definitely the wrong person to ask. If you want to learn about <laughs> bouncing back from stuff, there's 122 guys down there that'll tell you all, all these philosophical, great things of the mind <laughs> that I'm still unlearned. in.
0: I always appreciate your honesty and maybe you're right. Maybe uh, some festering will uh, show up in a great way against San Diego States. Uh, speaking of the Aztecs, what's the scouting report on what they're going to try and do against you guys uh, on Saturday?
9: Yeah so we we're, we're still scouting them out. It's still early in the week for us. I know you, this is airing on Thursday but um we're we're still early in the week but from what we've seen they they run a lot of 12 personnel which isn't which isn't uh uncommon from what they've done in previous years or somewhere around 80%, I think it's like 83% or something like that 12 personnel. Uh the next is 11, very few 10 personnel. So we expect them to try to run the ball especially after our game on Saturday. We we expect them to try to hit similar similar shot spots and stuff and so we're uh, we're scheming. We're scheming to be ready for that and to be heavy on the edge and and different things like that.
0: How much does what happened in last year's game at San Diego State, losing thirteen to three, play into motivating for you hosting them this year in December in Provo?
9: Yeah, it's, it gives our it gives our team a really good chance a chance to to get a little revenge, get get back on it and stuff. I wasn't actually at the game last year, so I couldn't tell you. Like, I don't have some massive vendetta that I'm you know, you killed my father, prepared to die sort of thing. I'm just there to have fun. It's senior night, have a good time with our friends and and enjoy ourselves and and win a football game together.
0: All right, Bracken, Um, senior day for BYU. And I know this is a weird year because we're not really sure who's going to come back and who is actually playing their final game and all that with the COVID stipulations and, and the allowances for an additional year. Where do you stand in all of that?
9: Yeah I'm, uh I, funny that you asked this week I'm 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 pretty deep in trying to decide I'm I'm torn I've got a lot of a lot of pros and cons to both so I I couldn't give you an answer on where I stand but uh I'm just I've enjoyed a great season it's been a great time with with my with my friends I've really enjoyed so obviously I love this game and I want to keep playing it um so I I couldn't tell you there's there's I'm getting getting advice from people I respect and that I love, and that's what every, all the seniors are doing, right? We're all we're all getting advice from the people we love and trying to make the best decisions for us and our families. Fair Most enough. Most seniors are married. I, I would I would say I, I bet you ninety percent of the seniors down there have a family, if not kids and stuff. It's crazy. Okay, well, and you're in
0: those ranks, so uh, I need to ask you how do how do uh, how do the, the in-laws and your wife feel about the beard? <laughs>
9: Well, this isn't a beard, mind you. It's a couple. It's a little shadowy. Uh, you know, sometimes t- a couple of days you don't shave. Well, well you're like, wow, how'd that get there? Uh, my wife likes it a lot. It's I think one of the reasons you see me in the shadows sometimes is because I'll go to shave and she's like, whoa, 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 what, what are you doing? Don't shave yes. So no, it's this is you know a little bit of shadow. I wouldn't, I would definitely wouldn't call it a beard by any means.
0: <laughs> Brackenell in is shadow with us on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, best of luck against San Diego State. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Congratulations on an 11 tackle performance. We look forward to seeing a tenth win for BYU on Saturday.
3: Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. <laughs> Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week, here on the best of BYU
2: Sports Nation. All right, hindsight is a great thing, Blaine. Sometimes it can be good, but let's be honest, most times we talk about hindsight, it's brought up because something went wrong. Something didn't work out, and you're like, well, in hindsight, maybe. Look, with that in mind, Blaine, would you take the Coastal Carolina game again? Under the same circumstances. So the same circumstances playing into this. Are
6: you taking that game again? I would take it again. Um, And and here's why. I, I believe that game was the right thing to do at the time. I still believe it would be the right thing to do. And having watched the film twice now, I've watched that film. In my mind, with nothing else different, if BYU and Coastal Carolina played 10 times, BYU would win more times than not. Remember, this came down to... They lost by a yard on the last play of the game. And, you know, several guys didn't play their best, and it just seemed like everything kind of didn't go perfectly for BYU. Um, but but I would do it again because I think BYU would have a chance to win. But more importantly, I think the college football committee was determined to keep BYU out of the the New Year's Six scene anyhow. So I feel like if they don't take the game, they they don't have a chance to get it anyhow. That's just my feeling. I, don't feel, I feel like there was a, an effort being made to kind of keep them just out of the reach of that college football playoff committee ranking, getting, keeping them away from that 10 or 11 mark so that it wasn't obvious that they had to be in a New Year's Six. So I felt like you had to play the game. You had to take it. You had to roll the dice. And if you lose like they did, are you really any worse off? Because if you're not in New Year's Six, you're relegated to a bowl that ESPN is going to assign you to anyhow. BYU knew before they went that ESPN was guaranteeing them a bowl of some of some sort.
2: Well, and as long as you play a game this year, you're yeah. bowl eligible. I,
6: I don't know that they really had a choice. It was roll the dice. If you win, you put so much pressure on that, uh, pressure on that college football committee that I think— they, they probably have to cave at that point, and they have to rank you probably 10.
2: Well, head coach Kalani Satake was asked this several different ways yesterday via Zoom uh, during the weekly press conference. Here's what Kalani said on whether or not he'd play again.
3: Yes. If there's a chance we could play a doubleheader and play back-to-back games, we would take that. I mean, I love coaching these guys because they love playing football. I have a bunch of football junkies that love the game, and when we're not playing football, these guys are watching it.
2: Look, And I want to make something very clear about this question. This question is not, you get a mulligan and that game didn't happen. That's, that's not what this is. We know that BYU lost that game. That, that loss is still there. What we're asking you is, if this game, under the exact same circumstances, so you're going to have to travel, you're going to have to do it on short preparation, would you do it again? And I think knowing that it is it is after that loss, I absolutely would take it. I would take it now for the same reasons I took the original one, because it would help you. Now, it's not, probably not going to help you enough that you're going to get into New Year's 6, but for the exact same reasons that you took the first game, and without knowing that BYU was going to lose, that absolutely was the right choice. Now, obviously... Again, with hindsight, if you knew BYU was going to lose, you wouldn't have taken the game. I mean, that's, that's, that's obvious. But with the exact same circumstances, I'm with you. I think BYU – look, BYU played its worst game of the year and lost by one yard. One yard. And they played their worst game. I don't expect that to happen again. I will probably take heat for this. I still believe BYU was the better team. They were not the better team on Saturday. There's no question – that Coastal Carolina played better and was the better team that day. But I think overall, BYU is the better team, and if given another opportunity to play that game, I think we are looking at a very different result. I think we're looking at the result we all anticipated we would see in the first game. So that, that's why, yeah, I think you play it again under the same circumstances because I think everybody expects the outcome to be different.
6: No, I, we're, I think we're on the same page. I think we're on the same page. And I, and I think when we go back and look and ask the question, was it the right thing to do? We both agree it was the right it thing to do. It absolutely
2: was. Be, it was the right thing to do because we expected BYU to roll. Right. And we thought they were going to get a major bump in the college football playoff rank.
6: And do we both agree that the college football playoff committee probably was going to try to figure out a way to not get them in yes. there if they sit idle?
2: Not if they won. If they won, I, I the pressure no, would, I thought that, that was the much. thing. If they won, if so. they won,
6: the if they sat idle, I think they would have found a way to keep. Probably it. okay. Yeah.
0: One last ride for Zach Wilson. One last ride. Does it mean just the bowl game, or is there something more to that question? Again, Zach Wilson was asked yesterday during media availability which factors will go into the decision at the season's end in deciding whether to come back for another year. Or to make the jump to the NFL, here's how he responded.
7: Yeah,
2: it's hard to say. I think uh, I think when the time comes after the season's over, I'll, I'll have a pretty good idea of what to do. You know, really, the plan for me now is to um, you know finish up this week, um, get to a good bowl game, uh, compete, win the bowl game, and then uh, you know it really goes from there. And and right now, my plan is to come back next year. You know, really, I haven't thought about it because
0: uh, all my focus is with these boys. And um, I really think when the time comes, I'll know what to do.
1: Excuse me, what? Sorry, what?
0: Right now, my plan is to come back next year. Wait, what? Jeremy, are you buying Zach Wilson being back at BYU next season?
1: Okay, let's, let's recreate the interview, okay? You ask me a que- the question. Go ahead.
0: Uh, Zach, are you uh, going to go to the NFL next year or are going to come back for a senior season?
1: Uh, you know what? I will be going to the NFL <laughs> next year. I am trying to focus on San Diego State and uh, the bowl game, but yeah, I'm gone. Sorry, Jay, right? Drew, is that who asked the question? <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the projections, but I'm in the first round, like as high as two. Not
0: just that, top ten.
1: Uh, I'm top ten, like almost everywhere. Um, I, I'm going, baby. I'm gone. Uh, I don't know if you've seen my numbers, uh, but yeah, I'm going to go. Um, have you seen how much they pay the guys in the top ten? I'm out of here, man. That's stimu- stimulus. Uh, the stipend check I get uh-huh, from BYU, uh-huh. that's, not, that's not the same. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to leave. Gonna make a lot of money, and won't have to answer any of these questions again from here. So it was fun. Thank you guys. You're great. I appreciate it. But see ya.
0: I'm not buying this at all. Just because
1: (laughs) he's that's like he says the right things, and I appreciate that. But like, no, he's gone. Come on.
0: His stock is so high. Yes. Could it get any better if Zach Wilson came back next year?
1: No. 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 And and let's talk about why. Zach was incredible. I think if BYU plays its original schedule, that Zach does fly up draft boards. But I don't think he's a first round guy against the regular. Probably schedule. a day two guy. Yeah, which is awesome, dude. I don't know that I thought Zach w- would be an NFL draft pick um, after the first two seasons. But again, we, I- I've said a million times, like, hey, let's let like juniors and seniors prove themselves. Let's we'll let him get what, healthy. Yeah, let's get him, Yeah, all that. He was so good this year, and it's not Zach's fault that the schedule blew up. You know, it's it's a uh, Pandemic's fault. And he was incredible. I just think if he came back and played seven power fives, that all of a sudden, it, 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 where the spotlight wasn't on him, now it is. Now people will pick at him. And even if he's really good, he would still drop. So I, I'm like, get out of here, because next year's schedule is really hard. Now, competitively, it'd be nice if he was on the team. That'd be nice. It'd be like, okay. Because right now, I'm like, ah. If I look at it, without Zach Wilson, I'm going like 7-5 and five against that schedule. I think 8-4 and four would be a good record against that schedule. Seven power fives in Boise State. That's hard. But uh, if Zach came back, it's like, okay, maybe you're in the 8-9 and nine range. Yeah. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, I said it earlier. If Zach Wilson comes back next season, I think BYU's going to win nine regular season games. I think he's that much of a difference maker.
1: You even said 10 at one point. like With the bowl game. Ambitious, yeah. I, said, I, think, yeah.
0: I think BYU would yeah. have a shot at 10 wins yeah. with the bowl game. To
1: me, that's extremely ambitious, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's just tough. So, no, I, I don't buy it. I, he's saying the right thing. That's fine. And everyone is subject to change. Ain't, literally anything. Nothing uh, uh, can't be undone.
0: Sure. Right? I mean, we had Yoli Child sit here in studio and say, I'm out. I'm out. And then he came back. Mark right. Pope came in as the coach. He came right. back. BYU had this epic. Right. Ride. We were convinced. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to everybody in the Child's family, and they were like, yeah, he go." And we declared like, okay. it
1: before the year. All right. When I was 11, my parents told me they weren't going to be married anymore. Like, everything can be undone. It ha- it's okay. You can change. That's what Minority Report taught us, too. You have a choice. And that's fine. He can say that. That's great. Whatever. San Diego State, bowl game. See sure. Eric
0: ya. Mika told me, I'm, fact, oh, I'm coming. I'm not going pro. I'm coming back. Uh, and then he went pro.
1: Yeah. So, it, La- you're Likes right. Alex Bryant left early. No, no. Here's the difference between Zach Wilson and the guys you just mentioned. Zach Wilson is a first-round NFL quarterback. Like, this guy's legit. Like, those guys, I love those guys. I appreciate what they did here. None of them were drafted. You know what I mean? They're going to have successful pro careers, but this is different. This is a different level. Zach Wilson is the best pro prospect has had since... Name it. Kyle Van Noy? Maybe Kyle Van Noy, right? Ziggy, maybe? Just Ziggy was raw, but more than any basketball player has had in a long time. Sean Bradley? Like... Zach Wilson's a better pro prospect than Jimmer was.
0: I wish I were buying it, even with the blue goggles on. Jeremy. I'm just like, no, Zach – you gotta go to the league, man.
1: <laughs> wait, take well, the money uh, and go. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> like, if he comes back, I'll be like, wait, why? Even with the blue goggles on, I now can't. Now the blue in good goggles conscious. on, I'm like, no, come back, win. Kay. go 13 and 0, go it, to the playoffs. It would be
0: incredible. He'd be a preseason Heisman candidate. The oh. hype would be off oh. the charts. No, it'd be insane. BYU's going to beat Arizona in Raiders Stadium to open up the the season in 2021. Well, I'm
1: hoping that happens regardless. Yeah. It's Arizona. Come on, that's a team BYU can beat. Let's not go. It. His stock's
0: so high. Yeah,
1: nah. No, but thank you. Uh, Cue the uh, Sarah McLachlan music. I will remember you.
0: Super Saturday carries Super Impact. That's a whole bunch of super, but it's merited. BYU football on the revenge tour against San Diego State. Old rivalry renewed. Blackout uniforms. Bounce back opportunity. BYU basketball also on a revenge tour for what happened last season. The rivalry with Utah renewed. And a bounce-back chance after losing to Boise State with the Utes in town. Jerem, which game this weekend has greater long-term impact? Football against San Diego State or BYU men's basketball against Utah?
1: It's a good question. I think that football doesn't have time to make up a loss. I think basketball does. If BYU lost to Utah on hoops, we've been saying, oh, they need to to get an at-large. If BYU pulled off the upset... At San Diego State in basketball, all next is forgiven. Week, then the probably is a that's way better, right? San Diego State is, uh, I mean, that's that they might be the best team BYU plays in non-conference.
0: They're ranked and they just beat ranked Arizona State on the road by last twelve night. last night.
1: Last night, okay. So I think it's uh, I think it's football because again, I don't want this season to be a one and zero eight. Amen. Those were good seasons, but they're not great seasons because they didn't finish strong. Hans Olsen said, I'm not going to remember this team for uh, the wins before Coastal Carolina. I'll I'll remember them for what they do after Coastal Carolina. And I agree with that idea. Uh, not entirely, but partially in that we'll re- I'll remember the whole year, uh, but BYU needs to beat San Diego State in football, and then they I think they need to win a bowl game. And then we go, hey, 11-1, and this is one of the top 10 BYU teams ever, probably, given Zach Wilson, the offense, the unique nature of what happened. Certainly the schedule would have been the easiest BYU would have played in a long time. But the way BYU played was impressive. So I, I say I say, uh, football. It's, it has more, there's more on the line, longer impact, bigger impact for football.
0: This is all solid Friday logic, Jerem. And I'm on Thank board you. for it. It is all about football, specifically the 2001 season in mind. BYU starts 12 and 0. It's so exciting. They're hoping to be a BCS buster yep. at the time. They're told they're not. Luke Staley breaks his leg and they kind of Well, just,
1: reverse on that. Luke Staley breaks sorry. his leg. They're told they're, they're, told not. they're not. That's Correct. part of it, yeah.
0: And they kind of just come to a stall and finish 12 and 2 and it's like, "Ah, it was so fun, but then you lose by 27 and give up 72 to Hawaii.
1: Still the most ever given up. That's part of that. Like, if BYU gave up 70 points tomorrow and then lost the bowl game... Like it'd feel weird, right? Wah, wah. He's not giving up seventy. No, San Diego State. San Diego State hasn't <laughs>
0: scored seventy points all season, I don't think.
1: <laughs> Have they scored seventy in a game ever? Like, yeah, San Diego State's a good football team. Like, this is a, an important game for BYU. It's not Coastal Carolina big, but it's a big game.
0: It's an important bounce back opportunity. BYU needs to get to ten wins. Yeah. You need to get rid of that bad taste in the mouth after that challenge in Myrtle Beach and mm. dirty Myrtle. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah, the uh, I called it yeah, I heard it called two things by the locals, okay? <laughs> Dirty Myrtle okay. and Hick Hawaii. <laughs> 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 yeah. What? From the locals. Wow. From the locals. Wow. Welcome to Hick Hawaii. I was like, okay. That's really funny. <laughs> the mullets, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. beach atmosphere. Yeah. You know? It, it kind of no, ma- it. It kinda makes sense. Like, no, get- BYU needs to get rid of any bad feelings yes. that they can that are left over from what they experienced in the hit Hawaii. Okay? <laughs> let's just, let's get rid of that. Let's push it out. What better way to do that than beating up on an old Mountain West Conference foe with the blackouts, senior day? I want to see BYU score at least 35 points tomorrow.
1: Yes. At least. And that's, that'd be a lot on a good I know. defense. I know. I haven't looked at the line on this, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm guessing looking it up it's right probably now.
0: nine or 10. That is my estimation right now. Is it higher than
1: that? Is this real? Is it higher than that? <laughs> yes, it's the magical number seventeen. <laughs> yes. What? No way. That is a terrible line. I, I'm not a betting man. I don't bet. I love the lines, but I would bet San Diego State to cover here. Wow, wow. So BYU's getting some and credits. forty-seven and a half. So it's a low-scoring game.
0: Whoa. Okay. So so uh, thirty. No, no, no. Sorry. Like a thirty-four.
1: I love watching you do math on here. Yeah. 34 17. 32. Less than
0: that, yeah. 14 game, yes. What?
1: What? Wow. Even uh, me, 17
3: plus guy, doesn't like this. Come on. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview
0: from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is another man that gets to work with Jerem Jordan on a regular basis now. He is BYU's all-time leading scorer and BYU TV basketball analyst Tyler Hawes. On the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Ty, welcome to the show. How are you this morning?
10: Well, I'm doing all right. Trying to recover from last night, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. How are you guys?
1: Yeah, and that was just the pre-half and post-game show, uh, let alone the game, right?
8: That's
10: right.
1: right.
0: (laughs) I need to know, Tyler, as as somebody that's worked alongside Jerem for more than seven years now, for you, I think it's been like what, like seven days? Four games. Four (laughs) games.
10: What's the best and worst thing about working with Jerem Jordan? Best and worst. Um, Well, Jerem on camera is all smiles, you know, hair done really nice, top button done up. You get him off camera, and, you know, I've played for some. I've played for some pretty intense coaches. I'm I'm getting some some heat and and some intense coaching stuff off camera. So <laughs> I'm trying to work through that, but fair enough. Uh, Jeremy, he's a pro. It's all been right, fun.
0: you said that uh, you're you're working hard to get over last night. BYU battles all the way back multiple times to tie the game against Boise State. They could never quite climb over the hill. And today, we're asking. Is it just one loss last night, or is there a bigger storyline at play with this BYU basketball team?
10: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some alarming things. Um, but like I, I said this last night, I don't feel like it's broken. I feel like the things that BYU needs to fix, they're, they're fixable. I mean, we, you have to come out with some fire and some fight. Really, I mean, they showed that for 32 minutes last night, the first eight minutes of the game, we—I mean, BYU just laid an egg. We, we we gotta we gotta take the fight to to the other teams, and um, yeah, it was just disappointed in in the way that we started and and the fire and toughness that um, that that was missing. And and Boise State, I mean, teams are hungry and they they want to come into the Marriott Center and, and and beat you, and so you have to know that coming in. I. I know BYU is aware of those things. It, they, they just have to
1: manufacture some of that energy and that
10: fight right from the beginning of the game.
1: Are we still in the figure out what team this is mode? Because last year was this like three-year build. All these seniors, all these guys, right? Jake Toulson, you know, it's like a hired gun to come in and return to BYU. That all made sense that that would be awesome. This team is a hodgepodge of talent, but it's still figuring itself out. Like, Brandon Everett doesn't seem like the player we were hoping he'd be quite yet. Um, Connor Harding still developing. Is it just going to take a little bit longer? I, I think we wanted it maybe a little faster.
10: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, there, Coach Pope is playing lots of guys, and, and I think that's a sign of still trying to figure out um, – you know, what, what the roles are on this team. Um, I do, I do think guys are kind of coming to, into their own, you know, Matt Harms uh, had a great night last night. It was fun to see him. You called uh, that. Yeah, I called it. That's right. Um, but other guys definitely need to step up. There's, there's, we got to find a, a couple other scores to, to help us. And, you know, guys are going teams are going to start keying on Alex Barcelo, and he's had an amazing start to the year, but they're going to start doubling him and trying to get the ball out of his hands, and so other guys are going to have to be ready and step up.
1: Who is the most likely to step into the second and third leading score roles? Because right now it's Alex Barcelo clearly at almost 20 points per game, then Matt Harms at 10, Averitt at 8, and then Connor Harding at 7. So who, who, are, the, who are the next guys for two and three in, in points per game?
10: Yeah, to me, it has to be Matt Harms inside. Um, Got to have an inside threat. Uh, you know, I, I love the pick and roll stuff that they do with him and, and just throw it up right to the rim. Um, and then if he can knock down a couple outside shots, I mean, he's going to be a 15, 15 point scorer a night guy. And he, he needs to be that for the Cougs. Um, I think Connor Harding definitely can come in and, I mean, he has a ton of experience. He played a big role last year, and he, he's a guy that you know, will play any, any role that's given him. That's his mindset, um, but he's capable of scoring. He's, he's capable of being that double-figure guy, and uh, I'd like to see him grow into that role.
0: The man has scored more points than Jimmer Fredette in a BYU uniform. His name is Tyler Haas. He's with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's all about making the tournament. The goal is clear for BYU basketball. Getting to the tournament for the first time, technically because last year didn't turn into a tournament scenario, in a very long time, Tyler. How close to becoming uh, an NCAA tournament team is this current squad?
10: Well, they still have a long ways to go. Uh, the talent is definitely there. They have all of the tools of being a, a tournament-type team, um, but they they still have a lot of growing to do. And and it's it's early in the year. I would say um, there's still a ton of basketball left to play. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for this team to, to prove themselves. And, and really, in the next couple of weeks, I mean, uh, all hope is not lost because of, of last night. And uh, I think the locker room, I mean, they talk about the having the best locker room in America, like the guys in there are playing for each other. Like I, I don't think anyone has their own personal agenda, um, but it, it's, it's finding the right type of flow and the right type of rhythm. Um, and you got to be playing well at the right time. I, I would say last year, even last year, I mean, Uh, Last year was a very special, special team, but they had their growing pains and their struggles early on. And um, they just need to they need to stay together. You know, guys can't go sideways. Um, But I I think everyone's focused and and determined to to keep getting better every day to work towards being that, that tournament type team.
1: I've got a little bit of concern because in the two, perhaps, I don't know, uh, games where there was some real length and athleticism, which is the type of team you'd probably see in the NCAA tournament, right, uh, perhaps in the first, definitely in the second round, that BYU kind of struggled. Granted, losing by 26 to USC was an outlier, but here's Boise State. So is it as simple as what you said at the beginning, hey, just don't go down 14 <laughs> nothing
10: that that's definitely, I think, part of it. You, you can't let a team go on that big of a run. You know, Jerem, we've, we've talked about it numerous times. Like you have to find ways to keep scoring. Like we, we've seen runs with teams, um, this year where the, you know, they'll go on a 10 0 run and, and we'll go scoreless for seven or eight minutes. Like guys have to find a way to keep scoring, whether that's inside getting to the foul line, um, but you know, I I think uh, if if they can fix a couple of those a couple of those things, they're they're going to be totally fine. Alex
0: Barcelo told me last night it's time to turn the page after we grieve tonight because Utah's coming up on Saturday. You have to have a very short memory, is how he termed it, and it, it shouldn't be hard because of the rivalry that exists with Utah. How do you like the Cougars' matchup with the Utes specifically this year, roster to roster?
10: Yeah, I I really like the matchup. Um, I, I think Utah definitely has some new guys that have come in and and are starting to play well. They've only played two games, but I I think last game they had six guys in in double figures, um, lots of weapons on there. And uh, this Ryland Jones uh, gave BYU buckets last year. He was tough um, on both ends of the floor. He's really smart, um, kind of leads the charge for them. But then you have You know, Timmy Allen, you know, athletic, smart um, and and just a poised, experienced guy. And so uh, but, you know, our length and size definitely matches up well with them. Um, And uh, I want us to I I think this team, the first eight minutes are as important as any other part of the game. If we can come out and start, you know, really, really well, um, we're going to we're going to be fine. You know, going back to, to Jerem's point, um, talking about the length and the size of, of teams, this team has some length. Uh, I, I would like to see BYU play more on attack, right, right? coach coach rose and and the coaches that i 've worked with whenever you 're playing against a longer, more athletic team, which BYU is going to see you know, the the rest of this year and hopefully in the tournament you 've got to go right at them, go right at these shot blockers you can't be you can 't play on your heels and play hesitant uh, when when you 're going against length like you know we talked last night, jerem there was a a play by Spencer Johnson he went right at Alston, and we were surprised he got in the lane and and, and had a nice little jumper in the lane, got to play on attack. And I think if we can get in that mindset of playing downhill, playing on attack, um, uh, that's definitely going to help.
1: Speaking of attack, that's been the issue between BYU and Utah at times. <laughs> Physically attacking each other over the years with some fun uh, you know, kerfuffles. What's uh, maybe your favorite memory, not of an attack per se, but of uh, playing against Utah?
10: Yeah, man, there's uh a lot of emotion <clears throat> that that goes into that game. Are you getting choked um, up right now? Getting choked up, yeah. <laughs> so, um, definitely there's definitely heated moments in every every one of those games. And you gotta keep your cool, you gotta stay the course. Um, but my I guess my favorite memory was my freshman year. Um playing at BYU. Uh it was um it was, I think it was in February. It was during the coaches versus cancer stuff. So we wore pink uniforms, had pink shoes, like coach, you know, coach Rose was coming off everything with his cancer stuff. And so there, there was like an added intensity and emotion to the game. And, and we just came out and we, we blitzed them and it it was, it was awesome. The Mary Center was crazy. And, you know, they had a really, really good team and they, they were coming after us, but uh, it's fun to win, man. Fun to win that game. Do you remember how many points you scored in that game? Uh, I, I, I would say 10 or 11.
1: 15. Your best dunk at BYU was in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and you and, you and uh, James Fredette combined for 51. So there you go. Wow. He had 36. He took 23 shots. So,
10: yeah. Hey, if you combined our points that freshman year, I mean that that's a pretty good stat. <laughs> right the to coattails of Jimmer
0: Tyler. You mentioned the Marriott Center. When that place is rocking, it definitely gets into the collective heads of an opponent. Whereas last night, there aren't many fans there, and this was brought up during the broadcast by Blaine Fowler. That man, this is when BYU was making a run, and they tied the game. This place would be going nuts right now but th- there are no fans. So how do you overcome something like that when you don't have the usual Marriott Center magic provided by at least, you know, 12 to 15,000 fans going nuts?
10: Right? It's a challenge that I would say everyone is feeling across America. I mean, the, you know, the energy, the adrenaline that you get from from crowds, not only at the beginning of the game, but yeah, like you're saying, in big moments where Um, you know, the game's tight, you're going back and forth, you feed off that, that, um, the crowd's energy and there's no better place to play than, than the Marriott center when it's, when it's rocking. Um, and so it's a challenge that, that everyone's dealing with and you've got to find a way to, to manufacture that energy, whether it's coming from the bench, like, you know, guys that are, that are coming in in limited minutes. When your number's called, you've got to be ready to go, and you've got to bring that fight and energy some, somehow. You've got to find it deep in, inside you to, to bring
1: it because, yeah, the, the energy in the building is just different for sure. Okay, Tyler, let's take a moment and just consult with Spencer. So we're going to do the second screen experience mm-hmm, for the Utah mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler and I are going to do this on the TV app during the game. So, Spencer, you did the second screen experience for North Alabama football. BYU. What, what do you recommend we know, do, not do? Be
0: ready to talk a lot.
1: <laughs> I'm always ready to do that. That is true. <laughs> and and bring
0: something to uh, you know, help your throat when it gets sore because it will get sore. You'll be talking so much. I don't know. Maybe uh, the producers will work in a break or two for you during the basketball game because we didn't really get that during the Tyler, football I'm game. I'm
1: leaning on Tyler to carry this thing. I don't know what Tyler <laughs> guess, has planned. Uh, Yes, it is. So, Ty,
0: maybe, maybe that's for you. Bring, bring some throat lozenges, uh, you know, some honey Three lemon cola. tea. Uh huh. Make sure that the vocal cords are all loosened up because both of you are going to talk a lot. That's my advice.
1: Okay. Noted.
10: <laughs>
0: Tyler, great to talk to you, man. Hopefully, BYU can turn this thing around against the Utes of all teams.
10: Yeah, come on! Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it,
0: guys. You got it, Tyler Hawes on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
1: My life's better because I get to hang out with Tyler Hawes on these games. It's really fun. He's doing a great job, and uh, we're very excited to have him in the house.
3: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: It's time for our prop pick recaps, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Let's recap, Jerem. Number one, we called this Arcade Fenigan pick. Mm-hmm. Which return missionary <laughs> will have the most points against Boise State for BYU? Connor Harding, Richard Harward, or Trevin Nell? No points awarded here. No one selected Richard Harward, who had eight. Jason, with my proxy pick, had Connor Harding three points. Okay. Jeremy had Trevin Nell.
1: He didn't score. He didn't score. Trevin, you're my guy. Let's go. Okay, number two. Alex Barcelo will have more or fewer than 22 points. The number of completions Zach Wilson had against Boise State. He had exactly 22, so neither (laughs) of us got that one.
0: Okay, number three. Caleb Lohner will have more or fewer than or exactly four three-point attempts. The number of BYU rush TDs against Boise State. Jeremy, you got the point. Lohner had three three three-point attempts. I told you exactly three. So that means after a high-scoring week. Wait,
1: I thought it was uh, I got one win and you got one win. No. no. I'm just kidding. We're doing totals. Uh-huh. We're doing volumic.
0: Final tally for the week is Spencer 2, Jerem 1. Thanks for nothing, Jason, and I still won.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks to Trevindale for not scoring. You're
0: spinning the wheel again tomorrow.
1: I will spin the wheel again tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to be sick. Ben, I'm going to be (laughs) sick. Yeah, I'm feeling something coming on. (laughs) Oh, shoot. I have a symptom. I've (laughs) got to stay home. All
0: right, let's get to our weekend prop picks for BYU football versus San Diego State and BYU basketball against the University of Utah. Jeremy, ready to get back in this race, man? Uh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ben Bagley, join us again, won't you? Scores reset at zero, so Jerem has a chance.
3: Okay. First prop pick: Who will score more points on Saturday? Tyler Algier, Dax Milne, Matt Harms, or Brandon Averett?
0: I'm going with my guy Tyler Algier, Jerem. I think that uh, he's a he's going to score early and often. And BYU's run game is going to find some success in the red zone, specifically against the tough San Diego State defense. Matt
1: Harms. Matt Harms is going to get into double figs. I would love if that. If he scores 13, that means a football player would have to score three touchdowns.
0: Correct. Unless he scored a two-point conversion. Then maybe he'd have 14. <laughs> Number two.
3: Who will have a better three-point percentage on Saturday, Alex Barcelo or Shaley Gonzalez?
0: Wow, they're both outstanding shooters. Alex has just been dead-eyed. I mean, going into the game against Boise State, he was, what, 62%? And it only got – did it get better than that after the Boise State game? It's Alex Barcelo. He, he is on point from the three-point line.
1: I'm going Shaley. Ooh. Shaley Gonzalez. Yeah. Okay. He's going to go uh, three for four. I should have put Jake Oldroyd in there.
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Number three.
3: Who scores first for BYU football against San Diego State?
0: I gave the answer a moment ago. It's Tyler Algier. I think he's going to score a bunch of points, and I think he's going to score – the first touchdown of the game.
1: Dex Milne. Let's go. to the first touchdown. Love Dex. I, I would love it for it to be Neil Pollard just to make up for last week.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh, how different would that game have been? Well, it was definitely a hole. Ah! <laughs> Number four.
3: All right. More sacks by the BYU defense. Made threes by Caleb Lohner or blocked shots by Matt Harms.
0: It's going to be Matt Harms blocked shots. Mm. I think he only needs... Maybe three. three? Yeah, and I think that he is more than capable of doing that against Utah.
1: Yeah, it'll be sacks. San Diego State won't throw it a ton, but they'll get into third and long, and then uh, boom, here comes the heat, and uh, BYU is going to get home a couple times.
0: Okay. And number five.
3: All right, last one. More Zach Wilson pass completions or Barcelo points. That's a good one, dude.
0: I think Zach's going to let it rip tomorrow against San Diego State. Um, he had success against a good defense last year, throwing the ball. Not in the red zone so much, but they threw it a ton, and he completed a bunch of passes. I expect more of the same. Zach you Wilson want Tyler Algier completion. and a Zach
1: Wilson completion. Let's go.
0: You just want it all. I want it all. I want it all.
1: I go Alex Barcelo. I think uh, Alex has another uh, 20 spot. That's right on his season average. Yeah, I think he keeps going.
0: So he's, has he hit... The only game he didn't score double figures against was
1: USC, and he had eight. But he's Correct. He had 19 in one game. He's been 19-plus in six That's incredible. Seven.
0: That dude is such hes the ultimate He's awesome, dude. He's the Bulldog. ultimate competitor. Bulldog, man. Okay, those are your prop picks. I wish you good luck, Jerem. Right. <laughs> After having to do it no. at the top button and no. wearing the helmet. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs>
1: Okay, you're right. I I don't. You're wish pretty you genuine. Wish, that was insincere. I wish myself good luck. Yeah, I wish myself more luck. But I take I, take take luck. I kind of do
0: feel bad that uh, you know I haven't had to spin the wheel. I kind of do. No, the,
1: it's all good. Even it out, you know. Kind of, no Yeah, it's been a minute since we wore that.
0: Join the conversation
3: 24 seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag #BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of
2: BYU Sports Nation. It's time for our Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Today we look at the top five plays from the man you heard from earlier in the show who's also named a semifinalist for the Belitnikoff Award and he surpassed 1,000 yards receiving on the season. Bring on Dax Milne. Let's start
6: with play number five. Dax Milne's third touchdown versus Houston to start us off. This is going to start us off. It's the play that finished off the Red Cougars in Houston. It also completed the hat trick on the night for Dax. His third touchdown just put the Cougars up two scores with just over three minutes to go. It put this game out of reach and put a punctuation mark on a massive night for Dax Milne. Big-time comeback
2: win for the Cougars in that game. Number four, Dax's 41-yard touchdown versus the Clears. This happened, obviously, Saturday. Dax takes what should have been a 20-yard completion and makes it a 41-yard touchdown. The Chanticleers thought Dax would go out of bounds with the push, but we know that wasn't going to happen. He was not going to be denied the end zone. Look, it takes a lot more than that to push a Belitnikoff semifinalist out of
6: bounds as Dax tiptoes his way in for six. At number three. This is Dax's 70-yard touchdown reception against Troy. It's his first touchdown of the season. It goes for 70 yards against the Trojans. Troy was too busy thinking about Gabriela. Dax was running laps around him, putting up 140 yards on the night. After this game is when Dax really burst onto the scene. He crossed the century mark three of the next four weeks and five times this season, 100-plus.
2: Number two, how about Dax's catch on the ground versus Boise State. What can't this guy do? Let's be honest. Dax doesn't care if he's on the ground. He's going to catch anything. On the sideline, on the ground, Dax still manages to bring this one in for a 38-yard completion that started a second-half avalanche for the BYU offense as they roll on the Smurf turf.
6: And our number one Dax's a 78 yard touchdown versus Houston. Milne wasted no time getting his career night nice started, taking the first play for the BYU offense, 78 yards to the house. All Zach Wilson had to do was just throw it up. He knew that Dax would come down with a jump ball. There wasn't anyone stopping him this night. Not only did he land our top play, he also set career highs in receptions, yards, touchdowns. What a play, and what a season so far. And I say so far because more to come for more to Dax
0: Mill. That's absolutely
2: right. His season is not over, nor for the BYU Cougars, obviously hosting San Diego State this weekend. They'll be in a bowl game. Whether or not they play a game between the Aztecs and the bowl game on the 19th remains to be seen.
0: Let's play Know the Foe. Ben Bagley, what do you have for us? Well, let's go like this. Let's start
3: it here. From the law firm of Zane, Spectre, and Litt, Spencer Linton called this point toss. He won. He chose to go first. All right, let's do it. Jeremy's trying to get the reference there. No. I don't get the suits. Uh, Spencer, first question. This is the University of Utah versus San Diego State University, know the folks. Mm-hmm. So, this university boasts Julie Cravener, a.k.a. the voice of Bart Simpson, oh. as an alumnus. And, and a bunch of voices. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm going to go to the but, University of Utah.
1: Mm, oh. No, that's SDSU. I feel like we would have known that about her if it was Utah. Probably true. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> thinking of another other Netflix special on a Utah uh-huh. person, but Maybe I'm, I'm not, not going to say okay, it. okay, okay. All
0: right. Because
1: right. that might come up later. Uh,
0: Jerem,
3: <laughs> which school's original color scheme was white and gold? Utah? No. Okay, yeah, It was San Diego State, which was later followed by Purple and White. Purple and White? What are they? Niagara? <laughs> no. All right. Zero, zero. Spencer, you got question number three. Which has more Mountain West titles? Mountain West Conference titles. Regular season football or tourney in hoops? Not regular season hoops. Tourney in hoops. Is it SDSU football or Utah hoops? Oh, wow. Oh, good question. Wow. strongly about one of them.
0: Let's go with Utah. Mm. What? No,
3: San Diego State has three Mountain West Conference football championships to Utah's two tourney basketball championships. Michael Doliak
1: is not walking through that door.
3: They've got lots of regular season. They just couldn't close the door late. Sorry. All right. BYU the last 20 years. Good
0: question. All
3: right. Still (laughs) 0-0. Jerem, which legendary coach led their team to a greater win percentage while at the helm? Don Coriel at San Diego State Football or Rick Majerus at Utah Hoops?
1: Uh, let's go with Brother Majerus. <laughs>
3: no, Don Coriel. 83.2% win percentage to Majerus's 77.3.
1: Don Corleone? Yeah, him too.
3: <laughs> He's undefeated. Will we get an answer right this is the real question. We're going to keep going. All right. we, uh... we, we've got one more question apiece for you guys. Okay. 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 All right. Spencer, which university has sent more alumni into space as astronauts?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just straight up. Let's go. Uh, you
3: got a 50-50 chance here, buddy. Come on.
1: I'm going
0: to go with San Diego State. Oh, oh, Utah has? Somebody? What?
3: Utah's got Don Lynn and Jake Garn. Two? San Diego oh, yeah, State right. has Jake Ellen Gunn. Ochoa. Utah has two. Wow.
1: Yes, they've sent two they've to the moon. They've actually done something.
3: Hi, Jerem. For the win or the tie? There we go. Which university's Wikipedia page list, <laughs> lists the greatest number of notorious criminals who attended the university?
1: Well, we know <laughs> Uh I, I'm going to say Utah because it's a rivalry. Yes!
3: It is. Three okay. to
1: two. I'm three happy, to two. I'm happy you got that one.
3: I'm happy got you got one. that one. Yes. Jerem, you're the winner today on Know the Foe. Yes and
1: i lost but Notori- i lost the wheel the of most gu-
0: notorious criminals <laughs> who knew
1: define did, notorious apparently. define notorious <laughs> if they make a netflix yeah serial killer called
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: that's a memorable addition we're going to get an email about that one the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU radio This is the best of BYU Sports Nation
0: on BYU Radio. Before we get to the Cougar Whip around, it's time for one of us to spin the wheel of consequence. Yeah. And after a second consecutive win, Jerem, I, I beat you by a yeah. massive score two to one this week. Yeah, I
1: thought we tied with one to an H, but I was confused on the point scoring.
0: A prop pick <laughs> victory for me now has right. Jerem spinning the wheel. What's the consequence today?
1: All right, I was hoping this would spin to the end of the segment and I wouldn't have to do oh, it. The funny
0: thing about this wheel is that sometimes it retracts and, and goes back the other direction. Okay, helmet it is- on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay,
0: which helmet? Yeah, give the <laughs> only one that works. <laughs> the K helmet. Yes, throw uh, it on, brother. Oh, boy. <laughs> Undo the chin strap. Yes, it's going to be a very uncomfortable uh, next few minutes for Jerem. as we get into the Cougar oh, Whip Ramp. Yeah, let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. All right,
1: Shayla Gonzalez is putting up a combined <laughs> shooting percentage here. That looks so ridiculous.
0: The, the, the chin straps, your Tanner Mangum it's, chin strap. like
1: for an O-lineman. Yeah. Of 209.4 with free throw field goal and three-point percentages, 180 to the threshold for an elite shooter, A.K. 90, 50, 40. Will she be a 180 shooter this year?
0: Jeremy, I anticipate that she will be. She's put in so much work in the offseason. It's yeah. ridiculous. She lives... In the gym. She's shooting like a thousand plus jump shots a day. It's
1: crazy. We're just showing me while you're it. It's crazy. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I, I think Shaley's gonna do it. I think she's gonna uh, be the Jake Toolson for this uh, BYU women's basketball team.
1: Yeah, she can do it. Um, she's, she could be a 90, 50, 40. That's kind of the average you want. And right now she's 209. It's I crazy. mean, it's four games, but still. It's nuts. It's pretty awesome.
0: Good for her. Stuart Mandel updated his bowl projections, Jerem. <laughs> Fitting the you the helmet so- as we talk about this. Gear up for this question. Yes, let's go. Okay. He said that BYU could potentially play in a New yes. Year's Day bowl game, the Birmingham Bowl, okay. against Tulsa. Hey, there's a ranked matchup. Yeah. Would you like to see BYU in a New Year's Day bowl game if it's the Birmingham
1: Bowl? Yeah, I think that's fun. There's some others that are fun to me. Gasparilla the day after Christmas would be good, maybe against a Power 5 team. Um, There are a bunch. like Armed forces on New Year's Eve against a Power 5 team could be good. There are 13 ESPN-owned bowl games. It's going to be one of those 13, you'd think.
0: Yes, and here's the thing. And Greg talked about this a little bit in our interview with him a few minutes ago. Yeah, There are several Power 5 teams that are opting out. Which will Boston take away already did, yeah. conference, uh, whatever you want to call them, tie-ins to these bowl games. So BYU could kind of. could land a pretty decent bowl game location, time, and opponent.
1: One can argue that there's no decent bowl game if you're not in the New Year's Six. They're all kind of the same. But, uh, yeah, if it's at, against a good team in a good place, let's go. Hey,
0: playing on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day for me hey. would lessen the sting a little
1: bit. And if no fans can really go, it's all about the matchup. The bowl game, be darn, yes. right?
0: Location for the team, yeah. matchup for the fans.
1: Both well, Yoli Childs and Jake Tulson could be in action this weekend. in NBA preseason games with the Wizards and Yaz, respectively. Mm-hmm. Who will play more minutes?
0: It's going to be Yoli Childs. I think that the Wizards feel like he could legitimately make the roster. And talking with Yoli in his camp, he feels like his there camp. is great opportunity. Specifically his AAU does coach. J- does
1: Jake have a camp? <laughs> why are they camping? They're NBA I- players.
0: <laughs> I feel like LeBron James uh, reported. Yeah. What's his name? Brian. Uh, anyway. Hey, Brent Windhorse. Yes. Yeah. In that instance. Uh, I've talked to uh, uh,
1: LeBron Yoli's James at his camp. camp. His camp all 17 um, um, of his handlers.
0: Yeah, I think that they want to they want to test him out a little bit more. Yeah. They're going to give us more opportunity to see what he's all about.
1: Yes, I agree. I think the opportunity is just a little better for Yoli Child. So oh, hopefully both play. That'd be fun. We'll see. There are fewer preseason games this year.
0: Jeremy, my man Chad Lewis revealed yesterday that tomorrow's game for BYU football will mark the last time the Cougars wear the black uniforms but added there will be another alternate uniform coming down the line Jerem which alternate uniform do you want to see down the
1: line uh at balkuog put it out I, I think it'd be cool to have a Polynesian oh yeah uh, ode. oh yeah this is cool ballkuog if you don't follow uh Volkug, awesome so this is kind of fun. I think it'd be cool, given the uh, history of Polynesian yes. culture and, yes. and players. Obviously, the head coach, of Tongan.
0: Look how clean
1: those helmets and uniforms are. Yes, unlike are. me looking in this <laughs> helmet. I look like such a dork. <laughs> the chin strap's definitely not... i gotta I got to tighten those up later. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, we'll work on that after the show. I didn't
1: think it'd be that helmet today. Here we are.
0: <laughs> oh, Indeed. Happy birthday to me. Yeah. What's, the,
1: what's your answer?
0: <laughs> I like to see the 1996 throwback uniforms oh, come okay. back. Yeah, yeah. With the black drop shadow, the outline. Drop it shadow. Just, it screams 90s, yeah, right? Yes,
8: it
1: does.
0: I want to see those Nike retro drop shadow uniforms come back at some point in the future. And the royal blue is a little bit different shade, too, from yeah, uh, that right. era. Yeah, the, so
1: the Pantone is For me, that
0: yeah, second option probably be something like with ice gray. I think it would be cool to see BYU with gray and royal.
1: Wow. I wanted I want a matte helmet that's not black. I think that'd be fun. Mm. Oh, Sailor Coog helmet? Ooh. That'd be cool. Yeah, there are a lot of options. Yes. And Ball Coog is that bring tan tan back in the bibs? No. Said no one? (laughs) Okay, would
0: you do that though. Like just uh, one game, yes. One game, yes. Like bring them back. And Rob Morris revs the
1: flag out. (laughs) Who'll have more TD passes this Sunday? Saints quarterback Taysom Hill or Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. They're matched up.
0: Uh, the Eagles are terrible, Jerem. So just strictly because Taysom's playing for the first-place Saints, and he's got a pretty thing, good thing going. It's going to be Taysom Hill. Even if he throws one touchdown pass, I think that will probably be more than Jalen Hurts.
1: Right? Uh, no, Michael Thomas is pretty good. Eagles have the eighth-fewest passing touchdowns. That's why they're making a change, but they're, not, they're just not very good. Fourth-worst yards per play in the league. They're just not good. Yeah. uh, It's going to be tasty.
0: Miles Sanders is one of my running backs on my fantasy team. Thanks, Eagles offense, for nothing. (laughs) You're not utilizing your best skill position player.
3: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.